Welcome back to Laravel Podcast Season 3. This is the second interview, Episode 3, where we're going to be talking to Neil Igodaro, big man around town in Laravel, Nigeria. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome back to Laravel Podcast. I got to figure out how to number these things because technically this is episode three because the first one was a preview, but that confused a lot of people. So welcome back to the second interview of season three of the Laravel Podcast. I have uh, my actually relatively recent friend with me. His name's Neo, and I, I've been pronouncing it Igodaro the whole time. Is that actually how to say it? How do you say your name? Say it, yeah, say it not me saying correctly. it. <laughs> can, can you say it though? Okay, I want to hear so, you say um, Natively, the G is silent, so it's more like Ihodaro. Oh. But um, a lot of people call it Igodaro, and I kind of feel more comfortable, you know, with Igodaro because it sounds better in my opinion. So, so if I tried to say it without the G, you'd actually prefer I say it the way I just said with it. The G. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I've, I have some friends who, whom, like, I have one friend whose name is uh, uh, I'm terrible, Abeto. Um, Alberto, I don't even know. I don't know Spanish pronunciation. And so I would Alberto. try to learn how to say it, right? Alberto. And he's like, no, 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 just call me Alberto. And I was like, but that's not your name. And he, and we had this kind of this big back and forth. And what he ended up saying was when an English speaking person says it in an English sentence, I prefer it to be the English pronunciation. And then when a Spanish speaking person says it in a Spanish sentence, I prefer it to be the Spanish. And I've never heard anybody say it before because I'm always like, I don't care. I want to pronounce your name the right way. But for me, what more important than the right way is what you want. So I'm here. I'm with you. Neo Igodaro. Okay. Fantastic to have you on. If anybody hasn't heard of Neo before, the way that he has most primarily been known in the Laravel world is because he is one of the three organizers. I don't know. Um, who's the founder? Are all three of you the founders? What are you the founder? Now three of the organizers. Um, How's that work? I am Prosper. Basically, are yeah, the founders. So okay. We just um, got together and started it. And uh, we decided to get people on board. And so Linda was the third person. Okay. And we have a couple of other people who are like silent, you know, organizers but you know they help out every single time we have a meetup okay and by the way i didn't actually finish my sentence before i asked you one because i interrupt myself it the it that neo and i are talking about is laravel nigeria which is this kind of meetup but it's kind of a conference because it's as big as all the other laravel conferences (laughs) even though they're calling it a meetup but people are traveling from five hours away it's a really big deal so we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later but what i told neo beforehand was this is not actually about that meetup this is not actually about you being the cto of a big tech company what this really is about is knowing you as a person and what you're about and if anybody listened to the Taylor interview I did before, we didn't talk so much about Laravel. We talked a little bit, a little bit about just kind of Taylor and where he comes from. So maybe we'll get down the road there. But the tiniest little bit of context: he's one of the two founders. He's one of the three formal organizers, and there's also some uh, silent organizers of Laravel Nigeria. If you haven't looked it up, I'll put a link to a write-up that he did um, in the show notes. But you're just seeing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people once every couple months come together and teach and learn. There's actually a couple of your talks that are online, um, so I'll make sure to link a couple of those that I think Pusher's hosting. Um, so you can hear, you can hear him speak and see what he's organizing. He's the CTO of Hotels.ng, which is a really big tech company um, out of Nigeria. And y'all are in Lagos, right? Ah, pronunciation. Yeah, Lagos. Not, I've been saying Lagos. so more of them. I've been saying Lagos, like go. But then last night I looked it up and they said Lagos, not Ghost. So is that another one? Exactly. Yeah, I'm learning these Lagos, things. I also, yeah. <laughs> also, several times when we were first talking, I referred to Lagos as if it were only a city, not knowing it was both a city and a state. So it's kind of like a New York, mm. New York thing, right? Like New York is both a city and a state. Lagos is also a city and a state. So now I know these things. Yes. So, and the tiniest mm-hmm. bit of context, and I want you to teach me a little more because basically over the last week I've been Wikipediaing all these things, is that um, mm. 
Nigeria is the biggest economy in, in Africa, and then Lagos is the biggest or the most the sig- most significant economy in Nigeria, and then Lagos City is such a significant economy that it would have been one of the biggest economies in Africa just as a city alone. And it yeah. is the 20th largest economy of any city in the entire world. So this is this is a significant thing because I think a lot of folks, they understand some general names, some general locations, some general cultural concepts of various African cities and states and countries, but I don't know if they have that much context, understanding that this is a huge place. So are you actually in the city or are you in a different city in the state? Um, so, um, it's kind of hard to explain, but I Lagos as a, as a whole is, is like you said, it's a city and a state. It, it's a city and a state because it's quite small, like geographically, mm-hmm. it's really small. So you can't really call it a state and it's so big that you can't really, it's so small that you can't call it a city. They can't not call it a city. I mean, and it's so small in the sense that, okay, like you want to call it a state because officially it is a state. But, I mean, it's just too small for you to call it a, you know, any other thing. Now, is it like Singapore, where if you're in the state, you're also in the city? Yeah, pretty much. I assume that there were other cities within the state. No. Okay, so if you're in Lagos, the state, you're basically in the city. They're just, um, so we call them, so we like to call them um, local governments. Got it. Um, yeah, so they're like small, small, very tiny little regions that you can probably have, you know, drive like one hour across each region. Okay. Um, so... It's kind of like... But all those regions are within the city? Yeah. Wow, okay. Within the city slash states. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so it, wrote, so it is a little bit like Singapore in that way. And it, when I think of big cities, you know, I spent a couple of years uh, living in Chicago, and so I think about Chicago as being a very large city. So Chicago has 3 million people, and it has, I think, one and a half... No, no, I'm trying to remember how many square... 230 square miles. And so Lagos has 16 million people, and it has, I think, 400 and something square miles. So we're talking many, many, many times the size of Chicago. And it's also, it's a city and it's a state and all these kind of things. So I think just getting that kind of out of the way and understanding those things helped me a little bit of the context of why when I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're in Lagos. You're like, yeah, but you know, <laughs> we got to talk a little bit more than that. Okay, so you are in Nigeria. You are the CTO of Hotels.ng. You are doing all this kind of stuff. So let's actually get to the meat of it. First question, when did you first learn well for when did you first have access to a computer and where was it and for what reason um i would say when i was about 13 um so back in the day before internet was quite popular in nigeria um it was really really difficult to get your hands on a computer so um i think one of those cyber cafes so they're like they're not really cafes in the sense of it um they just it's just like a, a shop or a basically a shop where you have a bunch of computers and then you pay some amount of money to get access to those computers and to use their internet. Um, I think one of those days I was about 13 and I like, um, I got some extra money and I just went to, to the internet and it was mostly to chat though. Yeah. What what was the chat protocol that y'all used back then? Um, um, I think Yahoo Messenger was very popular then and MSN. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. 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 Um, So I was always on them. So did did they have computers in your schools at that point or not until later? Uh, so it's kind of tricky because we did have computers in the school, but it was it was not computers for everyone. Like it's huh. like privileged access. Type really? Of computer. 
Yeah. Okay. That's horrible. I told you beforehand that you, you get to tell me when I'm digging too far, but who, what privilege gives you access? Is it a particular type of study or, or something else? Like what, what privileges someone to get to use a computer? Um, back then, the first thing is, so we had this computer science, um, subject basically where we had to like learn about computers but they usually just write it on the board i'm like okay this is a cpu this is a um, a disc Uh, was it this did we call it disc that thing um what's the name of that thing the square thing where you save stuff the hard drive Uh, no no the one back in the day oh you mean like a floppy disk yeah floppy disk so they'll tell you okay this is the floppy disk and we never saw any of them we just had pictures and then once in a while maybe like once in an entire term they'll be like okay let's go to the computer room and then we go and we see them we don't touch them like you're actually forbidden to touch them (laughs) so you see them and you know they're like okay that's oh that's the cpu that we're talking about oh it looks so cool but you're looking at from like five meters away like yo don't touch now why was it that you couldn't touch it because there's so few that they were precious or is there something else going on yeah yeah pretty much so they were it was more like um a new thing back then so they were pretty expensive got it and they didn't really trust kids back then so understandably you know (laughs) yeah so if you became um a prefect for instance so we have this thing where um certain students depending on your um, academic abilities or Mm -hmm. your leadership skills you become a prefect so to speak and then you'll be able to have access to certain things that other students didn't have so um as a prefect i was able to have access some access like limited access but yeah but it was still very limited. So it was really the cyber cafe that gave you the space to like do yeah. what you wanted to do. So you exactly. started out chatting. When did you transition from chatting to thinking that you were going to be able to create something? Um, I was 15. Um, I remember very clearly the day. So it's actually a kind of funny story. So um, I was subject to some, you know, bad people in school and i wasn't Mm -hmm. really keen on going to school at that point because like they were always bullying like because i was very little in school (laughs) so um they were always bullying and you know at some point i was like you know what screw this man i I can't deal (laughs) and then i started going to cyber cafes you know instead of going to classes i just you know go to cyber cafes i mean i'm not happy about it but yeah Yeah. that's what it is it's your story so you know? Yeah. So um, one of these days, one of those days, I decided to, you know, check out an internet cafe. And that was it. I just, I just liked, you know, going there. I felt safe there. Um, I could literally just bury myself in, you know, whatever I was doing and not worry about anything else. That's really cool. So, so you spent more and more time there, even skipping class to go there. You were chatting originally, yeah. but what was the moment or was there a project or what kind of piqued your interest in, in creating something on the web? Okay, so um, I, I don't really remember the thought process, but I remember thinking at some point. So I saw this one guy. Um, he he went to the cafe to, um, I don't know what he was doing there, but I saw him typing some random stuff. And I, I was just like, what is this guy doing? Like, it doesn't seem huh. like English. And it just looked random. And I walked up to him. And I was like, hey, dude, uh, sorry, but what are you doing? And he was like, he's learning how to program. And that was that was the moment I just thought, okay, program. So what exactly is a program? And wow. um, I'm not sure if Google was a thing then, but I know I was using Yahoo Search a lot. Um, so I tried to Google and I stumbled upon the word HTML. And huh. you know, one one thing led to another, and I started thinking, hey, how is how is Yahoo.com actually made? Right. 
And, you know, I started digging and I found out, oh, okay, you need something called HTML. I, I had no idea what it was. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I, I could probably learn that, you know, you know, instead of chatting and wasting my time, I could right. probably learn how to make HTML. So that was pretty much like the thought process. And, you know, one thing led to another. I just kept on going and finding out more about HTML. I literally did not know the meaning. Like, I didn't actually care. I just wanted to, you yeah. know, learn the thing. That's fascinating. So so you learned enough that you were, I'm sure you were, you know, making your own little local HTML things. Do you remember what the first page you made was about? Oh, it was, um, it was, a, it was a personal page, obviously. It was on right. um, a, a site called uni.cc or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of these like GeoCities type of you know, yeah, thing sure. where you just go and then they give you like um, a subdomain and um, a name and then you just kind of like mash up the HTML in there. Um, yeah, so I created one of those and I remember, th- so there was this guy, um, I've forgotten his name, but he was a really big influence back then. Um, so there was um, the, the Time of Grey Matter. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have um, It was a blogging platform. It was close to what we have in WordPress, but it was called Grey Matter. Um, so he used to, I think his name is Tony, yeah. So he used to create all these blogs, and then there were like a lot of young people, and they had a lot of blogs that they created. And um, so they create these blogs, and then they write, you know, they just write random stuff in it. But I was more interested in how the blogs looked. They looked so beautiful. Hmm. And I was like... Why does mine just look like a bunch of you know Maki right. running around the screen? And <laughs> so I, I was forced to learn design. So I had to start digging in, and you know I heard about Photoshop, and yeah, so I picked it up. Um, so I, I love that you got there because I went to um, for, when we first met. I went over to Creati- Creativity Kills. So would I be right to describe Creativity Kills as essentially your freelance uh, web development? Kind of, co- I don't even not freelance, but your your web development consultancy that was your main thing before you started working hotels.ng, and you still kind of keep it running on the side. Is that a good description for it, or? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, and when I noticed there, I went to portfolio, and the moment I see, I think it was portfolio or work or something. But what I saw instead of code or descriptions was I saw screenshots, and the moment I see that, I say this person's probably a designer, and the design was good too. So you're not just a programmer. Tell me what? How do you think of yourself? Do you think of yourself as a designer and a programmer? Have you trained in one more than the other, um, or do you think of yourself as like a hack in one and really good at the other? How do you how do you kind of like approach your skill set? Um. I think to really answer the question, I have to go a little back to the origins. So like I said, um, I learned about, you know, you have to design your sites for it to look good. And I was like, okay, so how, how do I get there? And I heard of Photoshop and I started going to the cyber cafes instead of learning how to, you know, write HTML, I was learning how to design. Okay. So it was a hassle, to be honest, like it was yeah. really difficult because you had 30 minutes to learn literally 30 minutes to learn everything you wanted to. And um, I basically started learning and and a couple of people just noticed that I come regularly and some people just randomly gave me some extra time. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah, so I was able to pick up uh, a couple of designs. I I actually have a link to one of my first ever designs. Um, That's going in the show notes. (laughs) That is going in the show notes. (laughs) So it took me about 12 hours and 12 hours chopped into 30 minutes. I was going to say, 30-minute increments of 12 hours. And it's not as if you can yeah. take it home. I mean, when, once the 30 minutes no. is up, now, what, do you have a thumb drive that you're saving thing on, or how did that work? Uh, I had a floppy disk. Okay. So every <laughs> yes, time I go, yes. I was like, does this computer support floppy disk? Like, right. no. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. <laughs> so I, I, I actively look for um, a computer with a floppy disk, and I had to download Photoshop 
every time. single oh my time. Gosh. Exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was hectic. That's incredible. <laughs> so, okay, so you, you taught yourself how to design. So both in terms of designing and HTML, I'm assuming that, because I, I know that when I started, there weren't a lot of books around teaching this. Were you learning it purely online? And if so, do you remember any of the sites you used to learn? Um, yeah, I remember the site I used to learn how to make my first ever graphic, but I don't think I really learned any of the other ones. Um, I mean, the tool sets and everything using any site online. I was basically just... You know, mash, mash, mash. It's yep. it mash, mash, and it Views, worked. I'm view like, oh, source, okay. copy, paste, modify. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so something like that. So I was just editing. Like I'll just pick a tool and drag it across the screen. I'm like, okay, try to figure out what does this do. Yep. You know. Yep. But yeah, the first site I learned um, about actually making um, vector images was um, vexels.net. I don't know if they're still around right now. Hmm. But yeah, um, it taught me how to take um, a picture and turn it into a kind of like vector graphic. Yeah, trace it with the one of those things called the pen tool and everything exactly. like that. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. cool. Um, I think that's that's pretty similar to how I learned. I, I remember I got my first book when I was five or ten years into it, and it was such a foreign process because I was like, "Wait, I have to sit down and read fifty pages, and then and it just didn't translate." I was just like, "No, you just kind of figure it out as you go." So, um, okay, so so you started programming when you were fifteen. I'm guessing the design was a little bit later than that. Um, at which point did you realize this was not just something that was like a fun thing to do with your time, but it was something you were actually going to consider turning into a career? Um, I think I was about 17 or 18. That okay. was when I actually started Creativity Skills officially. Yeah. Well, unofficially rather. Um, so I, I, I had a couple of friends back then and they had these, um, really nice names for their websites. Those aetherreality.net. Um, they just had really, really random names. And I was like, you know, I could yeah. come up with one and I don't know, I can't remember exactly how, but I was thinking in the lines of what if you had a company that portrayed, you know, designs to die for. And I right. sort of just, you know, circulated around that concept until I got to the point, creativity kills. I can't remember how it clicked or when it clicked, but I just know at some point I was like, you know, creativity kills. I mean, it kind of had a negative connotation, especially culturally. Um, but I felt like people needed to ask questions like, okay, well, how does creativity kill? Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, it kind of um, was the one thing that I knew could make my brand stand out because yeah. people became curious. Yeah, I love that. It, it makes you, it doesn't give you all the answers just from reading it. It makes you ask questions and that's something you wanted. Yeah. And that, I mean, that clearly lines up with the story you're telling me is you, you literally walked over to somebody else in the cafe and said, what is that jumble you're typing into your screen right now? That's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, so did you have any people around you or any role models um, where you said, oh, I'm going to do this like that other person I know or that other person I've seen? Or was it more of a just kind of, you know, hey, this is a thing I can try out and see what happens? Um, for design, yes. Um, the Tony guy, I really can't remember his name. I wonder right. why. But anyways, the, the Tony guy, I think I still have him on Facebook or something. Um, he was really, he didn't know it, to be honest. Like mm -hmm. he didn't really, I, I was just more of a, you know, admire from far type of person. Yeah. And I really liked how he designed and everything. So he was sort of my role model in design. But yeah. when it came to HTML and PHP and the other, you know, programming language, I didn't really have anybody like it was just me. Yeah. Like just me and nobody else. So we're, so at some point you you went from what is this computer internet thing to what is this coding thing to what is this design thing to 
I know these things well enough that I could, you know, make things to, I know these things well enough that I could convince somebody else to pay me money to do it. That's a, those are a lot of shifts to happen over the span of, I think like two years basically. So there's not a lot of other people around you who are doing kind of development consultancies and design consultancies and stuff like that. So how did you figure it out? What were your early challenges? Who are your early clients? Like, what did it look like for you to create creativity kills and turn it into actually making income? So, um, I had to figure out every single thing myself. Yeah, um, I didn't know anything about marketing. Those were they didn't even cross my mind to be honest. Yeah. So um, when I when I started, I, I created a website for it. I, I don't have the template anymore, but yeah, I was I was proud of it then. I'm not sure I will be now. Right, right. <laughs> but um, so I had this um, lady. She wanted to um, create a, a website for her um, NGO, mm-hmm. and she met me. She heard of. She heard of me from my friend. So my friend told her, oh, I have this guy. He'll yeah. probably be cheap. And he does websites. Right. She was like, okay, let me meet him. And um, so I talked to her. She told me, this is what I want. This is what I want. And I was like, okay, cool. And back then, I only knew HTML, to be honest. I didn't right. know PHP. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, okay, so how do I swing this? Huh. So um, I then went to a cyber cafe again. And I started Googling, no, I was Yahooing basically because right. I don't think I was using Google then. <laughs> so I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I make a website as dynamic? And that's, I think that's mm-hmm. where I stumbled upon PHP. Um, so somebody was talking about PHP and CGI scripts and all that stuff, and I was like, yeah. okay, this seems like something to go into. And then I had about two months, so I gave um, a deadline of two months to deliver the project. So I had roughly about a month to learn PHP. Um, so PHP just jumped at me. I was like, okay, let me just go with this one. Yeah. Um, I heard of ASP. I heard of a lot of ones, but PHP just seemed welcoming. I mean, that's the allure of the language anyways. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I jumped on it and the learning process was difficult. I didn't pick it up in one month. I actually just knew a bit, a few things because of, you know, 30 minutes increments, 30 minutes, 30 yep. minutes. And, um, at some point I stumbled upon gray matter and WordPress. And then I was like, oh, okay, so this kind of makes you build a website easily. Okay, I could do this. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't look so complicated. Yeah. So I had to figure out how to host websites. Um, so I hosted her website. Um, I paid for the domains and everything. And then in about two months, I came and said, okay, hey, look at your website. And she got, she paid me, and I was so happy. Like, this is my first income. Yeah. Like, I did it alone, you know. So it was, it, was, it was a happy moment for me. But from then on, I started feeling like, what if I could take that one client and kind of expand, like expand my reach, try to reach other people? I mean, one person told one person. So obviously there's some sort of system to it. And I started digging about SEO and started digging into marketing. And that's pretty much like one thing led to another. And um, most of the things I learned, I had to learn because I, I, you know, when you work to a certain degree, you hit a bump and then you're like, okay, so what to do next? Mm-hmm. And then you get introduced to certain concepts and then you learn about that and then you hit another bump. And okay, what do I do next? So that was pretty much my learning phase. Like I just kept on hitting bumps. Um, so initially it was the HTML. Then I was like, the HTML has to look nice. So I had to go to CSS. Yep. Okay, now the, the, visual ha- the, the visual aspects have to look nice. So I went to Photoshop. And then I went back to PHP, um, HTML, and I realized that you can't really do much with HTML. Um, you need some dynamics. And I went to JavaScript. It was really, really 
difficult, so I left it. And I heard of PHP, and I went to PHP, and I realized I have to go back to JavaScript. So I went back to JavaScript, I learned of jQuery. <laughs> like, it was just right. one yeah. thing leading to the other. Yeah, you, uh, you do what you can until you hit a pain point, and then you figure out the simplest possible thing to fix that pain point, and then move on to the next pain point. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so so you were writing procedural PHP back then. This is pretty early. I'm guessing it was, um, you know, right around past, right past when WordPress was created. So you you got WordPress, you got into gray matter. Um, did you spend just a couple years there, you know, basically building HTML and CSS websites with some Photoshop design and some WordPress and some gray matter? Is that is that kind of your bread and butter for a while before you made shifts over to things like Laravel or anything like that? I mean, Laravel obviously came out much later than that. Um, but what, did you kind of sit in that space or were there other kind of steps in your journey between then and Laravel? Um, no, I sat there for a while. Like, I really didn't think of um, structuring or anything. Like, I was there for a long time, probably yeah. a year or three years between that range. And I remember the first time I got introduced to CodeIgniter. I think it was, yeah. So I learned about CodeIgniter and I didn't really understand what MVC was. <laughs> In my mind, yeah. I just wanted to write spaghetti code and just be done with it. Yep, yep. But I started seeing the, the benefits, I mean, of separating concerns. And I felt like it could help eventually, having um, all those things separated. Plus, it's a, it's a framework. It gives you, like, a jump start. And that was really what sold me. Like, I didn't have to write um, MySQL Connect to this or MySQL Connect to that. Like, yeah. I just put my details and I'm done. So I got into CodeIgniter. Um, after a while, I started, so my, my learning of PHP started evolving from, you know, spaghetti code, spaghetti code to, okay, how do we structure an application? And then I started, and this is very interesting, actually. So because I didn't have a laptop or a PC, laptops right. are a stretch, I didn't have a PC then, um, I had to do this thing. So um, I decided to write a framework on my own. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah, so I had just 30 minutes in a, um, a cyber cafe, uh-huh. roughly. Is this still and a floppy disk that you're using, or is this what you're about to tell me? Yeah, yeah, so uh, a floppy disk. So um, what I did was I bought uh, a diary, and I literally wrote my code in ink no. <laughs> on the diary. No. Now, why, now why, did, why couldn't you just save it as HTML files and PHP files down in your, your floppy disk? Okay, so let me explain. So I had um, a couple of minutes wherever I'm going to. So let's just say maximum an hour and 30 minutes at a cyber cafe. That's when I have access. But I don't want to go there and start thinking of what to do. Oh. Exactly. You're writing in the diary when you're not at the cyber cafe as your brain is roiling over. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. (laughs) That's that's amazing. I mean, I've done that. Like, I've done architectural diagrams on a di- in a in a journal and I've done like the tiniest little bit of code but like writing a framework that way like no way so you'd basically <laughs> show up and the first thing you do is basically transcribe all your diary notes down into code and then exactly. see hey did it work and did it wow. work no oh bugs 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 fix yeah fix, yeah fix, yeah fix. oh drag <laughs> wow. I forgot this yeah I gotta go home just log out go back right. home and write right and write, write more write. in your diary and um so there was this thing so Nigeria is a very cultural state and then there was this day my mom stumbled upon the diary and she thought I was writing a lot of demonic stuff. She was like, 
oh my oh, god no what is all this <laughs> I, so it's funny because i was gonna i was, I was gonna ask about your family so this is perfect co- so so what did your family think about this whole thing you're skipping class i mean i don't, I don't know if they knew you're skipping class but you're doing this this computer things you're in the cyber cafes all the time was that something that you got a lot of support for you got a lot of criticism for or were they kind of ambivalent they weren't sure how to feel uh, a lot of criticism. So huh. an African family is a family that places a lot of value on education. Mm-hmm. So me skipping school then was horrible. I was literally yeah. the black sheep of the family instant, like yeah. just instantly. <laughs> like, so the day they found out, um, they were like, I'm so disappointed. How yeah. could you do this? Blah, blah, blah. And I was just staring like, sorry. Yeah, and yeah. then they were like, you know, um, we're really, really disappointed and everything. And then the day they saw the writings on the book was my mom and she was, she freaked out. She thought I was like on some demonic yeah, yeah. You know, tip. And she was like, she's going to call an entire family meeting. So the entire family gathered and they were like, what is this you're writing? And I was, oh, no. I was not good enough to explain it. So I was just like, it's, it's code. It's, code for what? And I was right, like, right. Yeah. Code is if, no, it makes computers work. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I couldn't really explain it. And they were like, we don't want to ever see you doing this again. And I was oh like, yeah, gosh. sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I knew deep down, like I wasn't going to stop. How long but did I it take for you? I think that was one of the few things oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. really made me continue, you know, to really fight for it. Just because I felt like it made me a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, how long do you think it took before they really kind of understood? Or do they do they now? Yeah, they did. So it took uh-huh. a long time, like until I was in, in the university, actually. And they started seeing some dividends, like it was paying off. And they were like, OK, this this dude hasn't called us to ask for pocket money or right, right. anything, actually. Yeah. So they were like, he, he probably is doing something right. And then we're like, OK, so what is this thing exactly? Got it. So they were willing to come to the table and ask me questions like, what does it do? How does it Very work? Cool. And then there's this thing in Nigeria. Um, so they are Internet fraud stars. Um, a lot. Um, they scam people of money and blah, blah, blah. But um, the idea is back in the day, when they see you, any young any young person in front of a computer, that is the instant thing they think that you're a fraudulent person, that you're being, huh. they call it the Yahoo Yahoo guy. They call yeah. it, can you say so it again? They, it didn't cut, come through in Skype. Yahoo Yahoo, like Yahoo twice. Got so it. So they call you Yahoo Yahoo boy. And so they were really concerned that that's what I was doing. Got like it. They, they really wanted to know because it was illegal and they didn't want any, you know, any of the stuff. And, and I was like, no, I promise. I promise it's not actually that. Like, it's, it's literally the opposite. And, they, yeah. you know, they sort of just went with it. I don't yeah. know if they really believed. Right. But, yeah, they just so, had faith. So I guess they started to come around from then. That's that's fascinating, and, and that, that transitions to the to the university. So at some point you were doing Codeigniter, and I assume that was before university. At what point you, did you decide to go to university, or was this all happening at the same time? Um, pretty much at the same time. Like okay, uh, yeah. So after after they found out that I've been skipping school, um, I had to change schools, so I had to go to another one hmm. somewhere closer that it could monitor my movements. And Got it. It didn't really stop me, actually. Like, I did what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, the, the good part was I was sort of um, book smart. So, right. right. So I was able to ace my exams and everything. Right. So that was the good part. So I didn't really need to go to school because I knew if they found out that I didn't do a couple of tests, they'll probably come and check the attendance sheet and everything. Right. So I made sure I aced most of my tests, most of my exams. Um, but... On the low, low, I was still, you know, trying to figure out what this entire programming thing was about. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, all right. So you went off to. So what did you actually study in university? Was it programming or was it engineering or like what was the actual formal title of it? Um, mathematics and economics. Oh, okay. Is that something yeah. you use in your daily life right now? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you know, very big no. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I studied mean, in English education when I was in school, so I mean, technically, I don't use it. Although it, the experiences I had there still inform me today. So, um, all right. So you went to university. You graduated from university. You got that degree. At what point did you transition from being Neo of Creativity Kills, who does kind of freelance contracting stuff? Um, to Neo, who is, I mean, you're doing stuff out in the community, we'll talk about in a bit, you're working at Hotels.ng. Now, I did see you had a blog post, I think it was in maybe 2016. So this is, was this a pretty recent transition for you? Yeah, pretty much. So, so what, what, um, what was that like? So let me, let me step back a little. Yeah. I'll tell you another interesting story. So ever before I owned my first laptop, how I got it was, um, so there was this guy, Koladi, he, he wanted, um, someone like he had a friend who wanted like a programmer on one of their projects and then it was like okay new you need to get on this and i was like you know i don't have a laptop and he was like okay you know what i'll tell them they'll get you a laptop and then we can go from there and i was like how do i pay for it they were like you know don't don't worry and i was like okay cool and right. I, I was so excited but i just wanted to you know, play cool be cool be cool yeah 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 and then they brought the laptop and it was ugly i mean <laughs> i appreciate it i mean right right i, I still have it nice know? yeah i appreciate it but it was horrible meaning like if you unplug the laptop it would go off the battery right. was finished it's like a big gray box horrible. kind of thing yeah, yeah yeah and the problem with that was the the situation of power in the country like you could literally yeah. go for an entire 24 hours without power at all um and the internet was so expensive but I mean, somehow I was able to manage. I had to go to school a couple of times. There's this um, hub where you could plug your stuff in. Got it. So I'd go there and plug. And I remember some of those people always laughing at the laptop, like, what, what is that? Right. And I was like, you know, I just ignore them, just ignore yeah. them and do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, so um, fast forwarding, um, I had a sort of big break. Right. So um, it was during the period where BlackBerry was very popular in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. um, so I created this website with PHP. I think that's actually the first product I've ever created for myself. Right. Um, it was called FlashDP. So what it did was it took uh, it used um, Image Magic to create a GIF, um, and then you were able to use that GIF as a display picture on your um, BBM BlackBerry okay. Messenger. Yeah. So I, I did it because so back in the day because I was like, uh, you know, I wasn't too rich. I was, let me let me rephrase that. I was poor, <laughs> so I had to find a way to make money at least. Right. So I found out people really like these gifs, and I used to create them on Photoshop a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I thought about it like there has to be a way to do this in you know PHP or some language. And I was like, okay, let me try. And so I sat down that day and I used Kohana. I don't know if you know it. Yeah, yeah. The Kohana framework. Yeah. So I used it, and I came up with FlashDP, and I gave a friend. So I was hosting it on Pagoda Box. So I gave a friend, like, hey, help me try this stuff. See if it works. And I went to bed. The next morning, the server had crashed. Oh, my gosh. Like, what is happening? <laughs> like, what happened? And then I went to analytics and I checked. Oh, wow, okay, a lot of people used it. And because it was very resource intensive, I mean, it was image magic, trying to right. generate images over and over again. And I was like, okay, okay, let me try and you know reboot the server. I didn't really know about servers then, but it was a 
you know, click on, you know, yeah. the whole thing. So um, I created, I decided to create a version two. And now the version two, I decided, okay, let me just give everybody, like let people use it, right? I mean, right. it doesn't hurt. And then I gave people and I just put AdSense on it. And that was literally one of the best decisions I made oh, yeah. ever. Because in the space of, um, so I created it in 2013, 2013, yeah. And in the space of about a year or two, I made about $37,000. What? What? Yeah. Just from AdSense? And in Nigeria, that's huge. Yes. In Nigeria, that's huge. Like, yeah. that was huge money. Yeah. So I was able to get my first MacBook. I was able to get an nice. iMac. And literally, that point was the turning point. Because I had all the tools I needed. I didn't need to write in a diary anymore. Right, right. I could, you know, I could practice it without um, without need for power for a long time at least. Yeah. You know, I literally had everything I needed to actually become better. And I felt so empowered. And that was around the period when I was in school. So I had a lot of time to myself. Right. Like a lot of time to learn, a lot yep. of time to actually go back. And that's when I started redesigning creativity skills again. I went back to the drawing board and I was like, okay, how do we appeal to people? And I spent about eight months creating that site and um, I released it. And I think it was uh, on awards.com for a honorable mention or something like that. Nice. And I was really proud of myself. Like I came out and I did it. Like it was, it was crazy for me, but I mean, creating FlashDB itself was the turning point. Like that was the landmark in everything. That's incredible. I, I feel like I could dig into just this part of your story for another hour. I'm trying to keep this short, yeah. so I will, I'm going to move on, but that is fascinating. So you said that was 2013. So at that point, yeah. you had gone from Codeigniter, you had moved over to Kohana. So let's let's move into modern Neo. Let's m- move into Laravel. Let's move into the Laravel Nigeria meetup. Let's t- move into Hotels.ng. When did you transition from Kohana to Laravel, and what made you make that transition? Um, so FlashDB made me make the transition. Okay. So it was around this period where um, people were arguing about whether you whether to use static methods or yep. um, or not. Yeah, and I started feeling bad about Kohana because it had a lot of static methods, and I was like, okay, so is there something out there that's better? I mean, right. obviously there might be. So I started digging, and I found out about um, I think was it Field PHP? Yep. Um, uh, I think Slim. I don't know if Slim was really around then, but I know I saw a, a bunch of them and I heard of Laravel and I was like, mm-hmm. I like the name. <laughs> Laravel <laughs> has a ring to it. <laughs> and that was literally the only reason wow. why I jumped on it. Wow. Like, I just liked the name. I was like, okay, I could try this. But um, I think it was around version four, was around that period or something uh-huh. like that. And I was like, okay, so how does this work? I mean, it's it's usually the usual like HM, MVC stuff. And right. I was like, okay. Yeah, this seems cool. And I realized that every single thing I did was easy. Like, you want to do this? Easy. You it just works. That? Easy. Yeah. So I was like, you know, hooked. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. And it was hard for me leaving Kohana because I built a lot of packages um, back then. Right. Um, I built a Honeypot um, module or component. I've forgotten what they called them, but it was a package for um, Kohana then. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of tied to the com- community, and but... I felt, you know, if it's better with Laravel, I mean, I could just try it. So that was my switch. I created version two of FlashDB using Laravel 4. Um, so I, I just basically kept on digging into Laravel and digging and digging and digging. And I also picked up Objective-C during that period. All right. um, I, yeah, I got an iPhone and I learned of jailbreaking. 
and I learned you could create awesome stuff using mm -hmm. uh, a language called Objective C. So I pretty much dived into it and you know started learning Objective C, creating jailbreak tweaks and all that stuff. Uh, so now my transition into being new. Okay, so I had this thing where I said I was never going to work <laughs> for, for someone else, company, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I realized that if I was to run any successful business, you need experience. Like it's, it goes yep. without, you just need it. So I was like, okay, so I have to pick the right company. Like you just don't jump into it. Right. Yep. So, um, from, I think 2015, I started scoping the Nigerian, you know, tech scene, like, okay, so who right. would I want to work for? I was nobody, like I wasn't really known, but right. I knew I was good. Yeah. So I started digging and digging and I found nothing to be honest like I found nothing that I felt I wanted to work for yeah until um, I think 2016 so I was still in Benin um, I schooled outside Lagos by the way okay um, so I was still in Benin and um, I went to a school called University of Benin that's Uniben and then I sort of heard of hotels.ng and I didn't really think much of it like I hadn't heard much about it so I was like meh yeah. And then I had a friend called Linda. Yeah, so cool story. She was um, the friend of um, somebody I knew back in the day. So she, my friend had been telling me, okay, Linda, she's really good. She's really good. And I was like, who is this Linda? Who is she? So I went online and I researched and I heard she was the head of product um, at Hotel Sodeng. And so I just pretty much said hi. Like, oh, hey, how are you doing? And when we got to talking right. a little and then we kind of just hit it off pretty much and we we're just talking and talking and then i told her I, I think i i told her that i wanted to um i'm looking for a gig or something i can't really remember the backstory but i remember um receiving an email so i came to lagos because my mom had an accident um a very almost almost mortal one like she was she was in the sick bed for a long time so i was really sad i came down to lagos and yeah. went to see her in the hospital um, it was a very bad, like a very depressing moment in my life. But I mean, coming back gave me some sort of perspective on life. Like, yeah. okay, like things don't last forever. Like you need to use, you know, whatever you have yeah. um, as quickly as you can. And so I, I think I sent an, uh, an application. I'm not really sure if I applied or not, but I remember receiving an email from Mark ACN. He's the CEO. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Hey, I heard about you from Linda. Can you come to the office for an interview? And my initial reaction was no. But I, I didn't even, even though it. you had sent something into them, right? Yeah. And then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? It doesn't hurt. Let me just, you know, go. So that right. was literally my first interview ever. Ever. Like, ever. Anyway. And I was about 20 something then, 26 ish. Wow. And I was like, okay, let me just go. And I went and right. he, I remember him sitting in the office with uh, three devs. And Linda wasn't around. I think she was on leave then. And he mm -hmm. was like, okay, what are these? What are these? And he was calling computer science terms. I really didn't know any of them. And I was like, right. okay, so if this interview is to go like this, I'll literally fail because I don't know any of these terms. Do you say give that out loud? Laptop. Yeah, I did. Totally. <laughs> like, I don't know any of these terms. Right. So just give me a laptop and I will show you what I can do. Right. And then he looked at me for like five minutes and it was uh, for like a minute or so. And then it was like, okay. And then he left. And then sort of, I just felt like I'd already, you know, gotten the job. Huh. 
you know and then he left me with the devs and they kept on asking me different questions like okay this that that and then one of them was like i think i've seen your creativity kill somewhere and i was like ha sold (laughs) and then he was like yeah you know okay so can you show us stuff you've done and then i brought Uh out my laptop uh, and then i showed him so i had this um, music site i created using angular and um and PHP back then, Laravel. Mm-hmm. So I showed him, and the first thing he was like was, do you design your code? Because it was so cleanly written. Um, like, it was during a period where, um, you know, Jeffrey was always talking about, you know, small controllers, thin controllers, this, that, best practices, solid, this, that. And he literally asked me, do you design it? Like, do you sit down right. and format your code? <laughs> and I was like, no, not really. It just... I, I don't know, like maybe I have OCD or not. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but he was really impressed at the uh, structure of the code. And he was like, wow, like he's never seen anybody designing this. Like, your code, you, you just write code. Like, it makes no difference to the compiler, you know? Right. <laughs> I was like, I like to see my code as art. Yeah. If I feel good about it, like, I feel happy. But I, do, I just don't want to jumble everything. And he was like, okay, cool. So I think that was um, the day I got the job. So I hadn't even gotten home and I got another email saying, you know, when you're hired. And I was like, can you start tomorrow? I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. That's a big leap. <laughs> and you, you and so hired I as a programmer up front, right? Yeah, okay. as a programmer. So um, I hadn't even um, settled with the fact that I just got my first interview. I already had my first job. Right. <laughs> and so I decided to go in and... What really caught me was the the culture. So I've always had this culture, this ideology of what I want creative skills to look like. Mm-hmm. And I literally saw everything right there. Like it was there. And that was what sold me. Yeah. Like everybody seemed so compact. You know, there was fun. It was a very good mixture of fun and, you know, work. Yeah. And that was literally what made me stay. That's very cool. And Mark's very young too, right? So it's it's not as yeah, if you're joining this kind of giant pre-existing thing. It was other people with a kind kind of same young Nigerian kind of figuring this out as we go kind of mindset. Exactly. That's awesome. Right. All right. So because I again I want I want to ask you an hour of questions about hotels.ng, but because we're getting close on time, what I want to do is talk to talk about a few things real quick. So so first of all, um, we're going to talk about the Lagos tech scene because you mentioned about how you looked around there and it obviously exists, but I would guess that when you first started, there really wasn't much of a tech scene. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. I want to hear your thoughts about the meetup. And then the last thing I want to hear about hoodies. So let's start with the Lagos tech scene. Um, So when you first started, you said there weren't a lot of people around you that you could look at. There weren't people who you're saying that is this person in my town who I want to be like, and I want to, you know, identify with that person. I want to be like them. So do you have any thoughts? Did you watch the transition happen where all of a sudden there were other Laravel developers around you and other tech companies? Do you have any kind of anything to share with us about what that growth process looked like? Um, so, yeah, like when I started, there was nobody. Either there was nobody or they were there, but, you know, social media wasn't as prevalent right. as, it was, as it is now. So I didn't really notice or see anybody. But the first person I did notice was Prosper. Okay. So I just knew he was making a lot of noise. Like he was, oh, he's very, very energetic. Like yes. he can shout. <laughs> so he, he's an energetic person. And I kind of noticed him and I was like, who is this guy? Like, and he was always saying community, community. What is the community? What is it exactly? Right, right. Like there is no community. I'm not seeing anything. And yeah. he just kept on going. And I was like, you know, maybe there is a community after all. And so getting to hotels.ng kind of gave me 
in lots of because hotels at NG is kind of a big thing when it comes to tech. Mm-hmm. Like we like to support tech a lot, and it kind of gave me. It's almost like I, I swallowed something and my eyes were opened, and uh-huh. I sort of saw that there there was potential. Like there were a lot of people, but there was just no real leadership. Like people were not just organized, but the people were there. It's just like you know Lego blocks. They were there, but nobody could put them together. Got it. So that was literally how I noticed. And I realized that what Prosper was trying to do was to get people to come together and create that actual community that he was shouting about. And that was when I realized that it's possible for us to create something, something that would kind of unite every single hungry um, developer for any, any developer that has been hungry for knowledge for a while. Um, we could unite them and, you know, people could come out and give speeches. And then we did a lot of research on meetups and conferences. And from there on, like, it has been, like, up, up. We've just been noticing that people have just been waiting, literally, for someone to start. And once there was that spark, like, it just happened so quickly. Everybody was, you know, meet up here, meet up here, meet up here. Right now, as I speak, they're having a GDG summit and a bunch of others. Tomorrow, um, next week, rather, I have about, um, the entire week is literally booked up. You know, wow. I, I have a talk in Android, Nigeria. Um, and there are a lot of meetups coming up everywhere. So this is all pretty recent. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I would say about three years, two years. Because I see, I see you, I mean, I follow you on Twitter and I... I see you. I see you posting stuff about a meetup or a conference. It feels like every week you're 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 at one at a different place, meeting new people. So this is all just a couple years old, then. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, so did I hear you right in saying there? It's not that that tech scene wasn't there, but it was very kind of individualized. Like people were really kind of in their own world. A lot of people probably have a a pretty similar story to yours, where people are figuring it out on their own. And just recently, there was you know. Prosper helped you helped and other probably other folks helped realizing there's a there's a lot of potential if we bring all these people together in one and all of a sudden they're exploding. Um, so I'm seeing you nodding, but I asked you a question. So is that is that a safe way to say it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. literally how it happened. What do you think the thing that kicked that? It, could you point to a single meetup or a single person or a single event or were there a lot of them kind of all starting up at the same time? Um, I might be wrong, but. I would point at For Loop. So there's this meetup okay. called For Loop. Um, it's, it was started by um, Ridwan. So he, I think he was one of the first people that started the entire meetup thing. I might be wrong again, but it was the one I sure, noticed. Sure, from your perspective, yeah. Yeah, it was the one I noticed first. And it kind of had the ideologies that most meetup outside the countries have. Like you just get a mm-hmm. bunch of coders to come to the table and just talk about new tech. And that was literally right. my first meetup. So I was like, you know, I want to speak at For Loop. And that was literally my first ever talk. So I spoke on Docker. And I was like, cool. let's, let's, let's see how this goes. And it was really successful. I mean, we're having not as much numbers as we have now because it was just starting out. But that was the first meetup I've heard of from my own perspective. So I think that was the the turning point for everything. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that I'll, I'll literally say for loop. So do you remember when you first attended or when you first spoke at for loop, when that was and how many people there were there at that point? Um, I'm not too sure about when, but I know the first one I attended because we hosted it in my office. We used to host okay. meetups at, at hotels at NG. Um, I think there were about 80, between 50 to 80 people. Wow. 
yeah so to us that was that was like big numbers like we really yeah. thought i mean oh, the, okay. the meetup the meetups in my local town don't get that many people most of the time oh. so and they've been going for years so okay. <laughs> i mean and you you've noticed that people are getting excited about laravel nigeria i mean part of it is because you never heard of it all and then all of a sudden you got 400 people and you're you're running out of space for people to sit so yeah. the, the 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 rapid success that you've seen because so you, you said you don't remember but it was at your office so it had to been within the last year probably right yeah yeah definitely yeah so this is very 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 recently i mean you went from attending for loop the first time with 50 80 people you went to speaking at for loop for the first time you went to helping kind of prosper and, and linda and others create uh laravel nigeria for it not existing at all to all of a sudden having hundreds and hundreds of people and running out of space and we're all talking about the span of basically the last 12 months or less this is a this is a pretty incredible growth process and that's and that's why people are they're saying wait a minute where did this all come from and and that's why i asked the question about the tech scene it didn't come out of nowhere but but it, the organization that gave the space for it to be seen and for it to be brought together seems to really happen quickly. But what it did was it touched on something that's been there for a long time, right? Yeah. It's individuals. It's a it's a, an entrepreneurial spirit. It's the desire to do all these things and and the the motivation to do it, even when you only have thirty minutes at a time, even when you got you know rolling power black and, and stuff like that. There's there's something. There's a reason where a lot of people keep saying, "Whoa, keep your eye on Nigeria." So that's um. I mean, again, I could talk a whole hour about that, but. You know, I'm trying to keep everything short here. So, all right. So we talked about the Lagos, the Lagos tech scene a little bit. We talked about the meetup a little bit. I, I do want to hear you give a pitch. If somebody has never heard of um, Laravel Nigeria, give me a pitch about what it is. And I, I asked you a lot of questions when we first talked about well, where are people are coming from and what are what are your timelines and what are your goals and all this kind of stuff. So tell me a little bit about the meetup. Tell me a little bit about um, where it is right now. When's the next one going to be? What are the things you're excited about? What are the things you're nervous about? What are the, the difficult and exciting parts about doing it? Okay, so um, I remember when I thought of Laravel Nigeria, initially it was around December um, 2016, and mm-hmm. I talked to Prosper, that was um, one of our first few conversations, and I was like, what, did, what, would, what would it be like if we had, you know, Laravel in Nigeria? And I, I initially called it, um, I can't remember the name, but I called it something different, and it was like, you mm-hmm. know what, that seems like a good idea. Why don't we do it? I had zero knowledge on meetups, like zero. Yeah. I literally didn't know where to start. And we were like, okay. And then we kind of just didn't do it. So January passed, February passed, uh, March. I can't remember when we did the first one. But all of a sudden, I just woke up one morning. I was like, let's just do it. And then I called him. I I met him at a cafe, Cafe Neo, funny enough. So there's a cafe (laughs) in in Nigeria called Cafe Neo. Um, So I met him there and I was like, guy we should do this thing and i want to speak in pigeon so pigeon is a weird form of english that we speak in nigeria <laughs> really i yeah. had no idea yeah it's called pigeon english um, so like guy make we do this thing now so literally mm-hmm. saying guy let's let's do this stuff and then he was like yeah. okay um how do we start and i was like we should create a meetup page first and i was like okay so i tried with my card and it didn't work so he did he his card worked and then he created a meetup page i created a twitter page um, I started working on the website. Um, generally, I just noticed people were joining the meetup page, and we hadn't really started talking about it. We just, mm-hmm. you know, put a couple of things there and say, okay, we might be hosting a Laravel Nigeria meetup. Might like that was the word, might. And then right. people were like, oh, this is great, this is great, this is great, this is great. And the meetup page was just going higher, and I was like, okay, what is happening? And then that kind of put pressure in me to actually do the meetup. Because I was kind of right. nervous that it will fail. I remember telling some of my colleagues um, at work that I don't know if I can actually do this. I mean, 
it's right. huge. It's a huge thing. I, I don't have the money to sponsor it, but how would I do it? And then someone was like, just ask for help. And I was like, okay, yeah. that kind of makes sense. So the, the strategy I did was I went to um, the Laravel source code itself. And I was like, okay, so mm-hmm. what companies are generally interested in Laravel? <laughs> so, I mean, that would nice. be the companies that are more likely to support, right? So right. I looked and I saw Pusher, um, I saw Nexmo and a couple of others. And I was like, okay, Pusher, Pusher, oh, okay. And then I spoke to, I think around that period, I just started guest writing for them. So mm-hmm. I messaged someone in their team and she was like, okay, that sounds great. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I, I didn't really <laughs> believe it, but she was like, yeah, sure. Right. And back then we had about, about 100 people um, who RSVP'd and I was feeling like it wasn't enough. But she was really, really like, oh, my God, 100? And I was like, yeah. yeah. And she was like, that's huge. I will support. And so, I mean, that's that's the journey. We started getting people to support um, the, the the entire thing. We couldn't use hotels.ng space because 100 people, like, it wouldn't fit. So yeah. we, we talked to Andela, which is a com- company that um, um, outsources developers to bigger companies. And I think um, Facebook yep. invested in them recently. And so I talked to them yep. and they were like, yeah, sure, why not? I mean, we're all for the community, yay. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and so we had that. So if I was to tell someone about Laravel Nigeria, I would literally say from my own perspective, it's, it's, it's the belief that you can bring something out of nothing. The belief that you don't have to know about it to be able to do it. Like you just need to take the first step. Like nobody's perfect at anything. And Laravel Nigeria was a shot in the dark, granted, but it was a lot of hard work and that shot paid off. I mean, it might have not paid off, but it did. I wouldn't have known if I didn't try. Yeah. So what we try to do now is tell people, Hey, talk to everybody, try and get people, um, you know, in remote com- communities, because right now Lagos seems like the place where a lot of things are happening. We want to get right. people from other states, you know, mobilize your people, try and get people to attend meetups. And like in the past uh, one month or two months, I've attended meetups where in places where I didn't expect people to come. I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah. Like crazy. This is Uyo. There's a state called Uyo. Like I, I didn't expect so many people to come out and people were out and I was like, okay, so it's happening. So Laravel Nigeria is literally the belief that, you know, there are a lot of people out there. Um, there are a lot of people who want it to happen. There are a lot of people who are hungry for this knowledge. A lot of people who already know, but just need a platform to come out and start speaking. And this yeah. has given them a lot of that um, um, hope and a lot of that um, platform they need to, to really come out and be leaders because that's what we want to create. So a lot of leaders that can lead the new generation of, of um, developers, basically. I love it. Um, I've said a thousand times I could talk for another hour. I can't, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to wrap it up with, with just three three more questions. Number sure. one, you're a hoodie enthusiast. <laughs> what what makes what makes the perfect hoodie? The color black. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say you're a black hoodie enthusiast, yeah. and you walk around with the hood up all the time. Every Is time. It, are, do you want it to be thick? Do you want it to be thin? Do you want it to be stretchy? Do you want it to be not stretchy? What's the perfect hoodie for you? Um, stretchy. Um, not thick because we live in a very hot climate. So yeah, yeah, not thick. 
um, and it should really, you know, like cover my face. Uh, so I used to be very timid. That's why I fell in love with hoodies. Uh-huh. So huh. with a hoodie, I felt like, you know, nobody sees me. I'm like invisible. Right. You're protected a little. Exactly. Yeah. So it just sort of made me feel very protected. Um, right now, I don't feel that way, but I've gotten, I've grown to the point where I really love hoodies. I love the the ideology behind it. Like, I don't know why, but yeah, I'm just attracted to hoodies like that. But it has it. to be black. Okay. A thin black hoodie. Yeah. I got it. That makes sense. All right. Next thing. Uh, has there been one piece of advice or one um, something someone said to you or something that really has stuck with you across your career? Mm, not really, but um, I remember my mom. So there was this period and she probably wouldn't even remember saying it. The period when um, we had this hardships and people didn't understand what I was doing and my family was wilding mm-hmm. out and everything. She called me and she told me, so she has this habit of waking me up by 3 a.m. if she wants to discuss some, <laughs> some very specific <laughs> stuff. And then she woke me by 3 a.m. I was sleepy-eyed and she was like, I don't know what you're doing, but if that's what you want to do, then do it. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and I went back yeah. to bed. But right. literally every single time I decide to do something, I just remember that point. Like, if it's what you uh-huh. want to do, just do it. Like, yeah. literally just start. So every single thing I've done ever since has just been with that thing in mind, like, just do it. I mean, excuse me, it really can't be difficult. I mean, it can be difficult, but you would never know if you don't do it. So uh, I think that would be the one watch word that I always, you know, if I want to pick up a new programming language, just do it. Just start. Yeah, I love it. Um, And the one last thing is, is there one part of your story, one part of what has gotten you from you know, 13 years old, first walking to a cyber cafe between there and here, where you say, and obviously there's many of these moments, but you say, if that thing hadn't happened, if that person hadn't done that thing, or if I hadn't tried that one thing, or if I hadn't, whatever, uh, I'd be in a completely different place now. Is there one really kind of significant thing that you really reflect on often? Um, yes. So I would say it was the bullies, strangely enough. <laughs> like, wow. I think Tell me if- more. If, if I wasn't bullied in school, I probably would have just been, because like I said, I was very book smart. I probably would have right. studied something very differently, probably, you know, but the bullies just kind of forced me to move away a little yeah. and have some sort of new passion. Back then, I really didn't have any passion. Like I was more of an introvert, so I didn't really have any passion. Like I just like sitting at home reading books. So yeah. I think that point was a big turning point, even if I didn't realize it then, but it was a huge turning yeah. point in everything. Man, that's amazing. I mean, not amazing that you're bullied, but amazing <laughs> how, how that, how that could be redeemed and turn into the whole story that you just told yeah. me. <laughs> um, I, I, I've got to make another podcast so I can talk to you for longer or something. I don't even know, but this has been amazing. I mm-hmm. really appreciate your time and for sharing with us. I really am thankful for your contributions to the Laravel community. We all benefit from it. And, uh, before we cut for the day, is there anything you want to tell people or anything, uh, you want them to know about or anything like that? Or do you feel like we've covered everything here today? Um, I would say we have pretty much covered a lot of stuff, <laughs> but cool. I mean, there's really nothing to tell, like just if I'm talking to my Nigerian brothers out there that yeah, are sure. probably going to listen to this, I think um, a lot of people keep asking me, like, oh, how are you able to do this? How are you able to do that? It's really not that difficult if you think about it. I mean, there are going to be challenges every single time. I tell them, like, if you have something and you didn't have to work for it, you would not appreciate it. There will be challenges. But 
in hindsight, when you think about the challenges, they might not be as big as you're making them seem. Like, okay, yes, we don't have a lot of power in Nigeria. Okay, yeah, but I mean, there are other ways around it. Like, you could probably, you know, get a generator or you could, I mean, just in whatever way you want to, try and feed your um, your imagination. And it doesn't only apply to coding, it could be anything, literally. I feel like anybody can be anything they want. You just need to get yourself out of the way first. That's beautiful. Okay. Is there anything in Pigeon that you would really like that all your friends from Nigeria would like totally flip out if they heard you say is like the last words of the Laravel podcast? Because if there is, say it and that'll be the end. Uh, let me see. And I don't listen to Laravel in Nigeria and I don't hear the podcast from Matt Stouffer. Um So as see, anything is possible. Like I was literally nothing before, but now see me, I'm on Laravel <laughs> podcast and it's been a dream and I'm really, um, I'm really grateful for it and I appreciate it. So thank you. I love it. Thank you so much for your time, Neo. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you.